start our teaching. It's found on page 61 where we begin. Angels and prophecy. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for understanding. Thank you for gathering us together today under your name and your authority for your purpose, for your reasons. And we thank you, Lord, that your plan and purpose for each soul here will be fulfilled today. And we honor you and we love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So, <clears throat> angels and prophecy, the writer says one of the greatest human needs is that of self-revelation. Amen. You talk to anybody for five minutes and they done told you all their business, pretty much, if they have business to tell. But people... Um, it is just human to want to invite people into who you are, into your life. Um, some people are more revealing than others, um, but sometimes even our silence and our secrecy reveals something about us, doesn't it? And so we we are reflections of God. We are people who um, it's normal for us to reveal ourselves to one another, and the writer says, because we are social beings, amen? We are created to reveal ourselves, open up to others, talk to others. Uh, and in speaking, even if you talk on a subject that's not about you, you reveal something about yourself. You reveal something about yourself without really trying, I think. John Donne's famous statement, no man is an island, is certainly true. We have a need to reveal ourselves to others. We need others to reveal themselves to us as well. Man is a social being and cannot find true happiness or fulfillment in himself alone. Amen. Amen. And God made us that way. In fact, God himself seems to have a similar need, if we may speak of God as having needs. It's a characteristic, and I think it's a characteristic because we're made in God's image. We have the same thing he has. God expresses himself through his creation. He expressed who he is through man. You know, we are the image of the living God, made created the way he's created. And so he says, God is the original self-revelator. The term sounds strange, but it depicts accurately the fact that God has always been revealing or disclosing himself. He did that, for example, in creating the natural world, that although it's marred by sin, it contains such beauty. Um, if you think about it, the reason that we still have beautiful aspects left in the world, it's certainly not what it was originally, is because love is greater than hate. Amen? Holiness is greater than iniquity. So the devil will never totally obliterate what God created. He just can't do it. He doesn't have the power to do it, no matter how hard he tries. At the end of the age, the earth will be, uh, uh, it will pass away, the word of God says, but it'll be at God's doing. It won't be because people got so sinful, you know, that's already been proven. Amen. When Noah and his family were saved, the, the the earth was exceedingly sinful and God only found eight people that were worth saving that he knew would form the seed of obedience to him. Yet that sin did not destroy the earth. 
Amen. God caused everything that was living to be destroyed. And so God will never, the devil will never outdo God. Got me? Never. Never. No matter how wicked he gets, no matter how destructive he gets, he will never destroy will willfully on his own you know god will always be there to stop the hand of of the enemy so god has always been disclosing himself the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament or the sky shows his handiwork so when people look up at the sky they are always trying to figure things out you know uh, what what can we do here and and uh um uh, what's this about always exploring and and god will will allow some revelation to come but if he decides he doesn't want us to know things we keep digging and digging and digging for generations and can't find it amen so god is in control of everything god reveals himself and his plans in many ways in the past he has talked directly with the leaders of his people and the prophets sent to them Man, when he would talk in a, a pillar of uh, cloud by day and fire by night, God spoke out of that element. Visions and dreams are another means God has used to communicate with men. We have already looked at a number of cases in which angels delivered prophetic messages to men and women. In this chapter, we want to look at a few more specific cases of what of that important angelic activity. The ultimate self-revelation, of course, came about in the person of God's son, Jesus. For the writer of Hebrews stated it, God hath in the, these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom he made the world. Amen. So if you think about it, the son being the offspring of the father, if the father is the creator, man, if you create something, that means you must have a mind to conceive of certain things. Amen? Like, you know, it, 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 it's like, you know, if you go in your house and uh, everything's out of order and you say, well, who made this mess? You know, say like parents come home, say you got three kids standing there looking at you. Who made this mess? Well, the guilty looking one. Because he had to have a mind to destroy things, you got me? Or the mind to, you understand what I'm saying. So everything that's created comes from a thought. That's how it's conceived in thinking. That's why the word of God instructs us to be careful what we hear, how we hear, and what we feed on. You, know, you feed yourself on the word of God. You will get the results of that feeding. You'll conceive good things. And James also says that sin is conceived. When we when we meditate on it. We want to consume things on our lust. And sin is conceived first in the mind. You don't do anything that you don't think to do first. So, and then what your, your words and your actions spring off of your creative conceiving in your mind. Amen. So just as that process works in us with God, the son is the offspring of the father. And so the father conceives it in his thinking. And then the son 
expresses it. Amen. So the Bible says that Jesus was the express image of the living God. He's the expression of God the Father. Amen. Children are often expressions of their parents. Now parents own this when the kids are doing good. Amen. When they're not doing so good, you, uh, I don't know where they got that from. Y'all didn't learn this at home. You know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> amen. So, you know, they express some things about you, something, they probably express a lot more than you want to give, uh, uh, own up to. But it's all good because God's a loving, forgiving God. Amen. And so you just take them to the altar when you take yourself to the altar. Y'all all repent at one time and get it straightened out. Amen. It's help for us. There's always help for us. Amen. So, so God's son then, uh, children are offspring of their parents. They spring forth. They're the expression of who you are, what you bring to them genetically, what you bring to them, uh, in, in your teaching of them, uh, in the environment, et cetera, et cetera. So your offspring are always an expression of you. Amen. And so it says, <clears throat> God has, uh, spoken to us by his son. And he's appointed him heir of all things. So it's real important that we understand what the son says. This is very important. Because he's heir of all things. You want to get to know him. You want to get to be his friend. You want to get to cooperate with him. All of those things. So Jesus said, nobody comes to the father except by me. Why? Because I'm the heir of all things. See, I have to... Uh, take you to the Father. You come through me, through my rules, through what I've set up for you. Since God's Son was active in history, however, long before he came to earth as a babe in Bethlehem. Sometimes he came down from heaven in what they call a pre-incarnate visit. In other words, this was before Jesus was born in his earthly uh, male form, in his human form. Uh, but he would visit in in probably a temporary body, not me, uh, called a theophany or more specifically a Christophany. We do not know if it was in the same body in which he would later appear as a man for his 33 years on earth, but perhaps that was the case. Sometimes he came in the company of angels. Amen. That was true when one day he appeared while Abraham was seated at his tent door. And he, Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. One was the Lord Jesus, I believe, and the other two were angels. Now, the uh, theologians will, will argue that these three were Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, true theophany. Some people believe that they were angels because angels commonly visited people back in the day. One of the things that you need to know is that angels' roles have probably changed uh, since we have access to God by him living in us. And so sometimes they don't need to be as active as they were back in the day with bringing the word. We're, we need to get the word from the Bible. Amen. And not be so busy looking for 
angels and visitations and so forth and so on because you have to be obedient to what God tells you you know he wants to talk to us through the word he has a whole different system of communicating with man now since the new birth Uh, Jesus the spirit of Christ dwells in us by the person of the Holy Spirit so we are being transformed into what God created us to be by his spirit that lives in us so you have like constant communication with god if you want it you don't have to wait for an angel to show up and and talk to you there are people who like their dreams and their visions you know as though that's superior to the word of god but if you don't have the word to measure it against how you know that's god talking to you you know you we have a standard that god has given us free access to which means that you can you can approach God at any time. You can get your your answers to your questions at any time. You just, just go for it in the word. Sometimes God will will hear you and he will send messengers to you. You know, like when we gather together to hear the word twice a week. And and you know that is your time to put forth your spirit. You you reach out with your spirit and your faith to grab onto answers that you're going to need for the week to come. I remember before I was saved, I didn't want to hear anything the preacher was saying. Supposed to be different now, Amen. We're supposed to hunger and thirst. <laughs> you get hard up enough out there trying to live for God and you'll be panting to get you say I'd be glad when we I was glad when we say that's going to the house of the Lord amen and so we have we have a different dependency uh, on angels I would say now but I do believe that they are assigned to us amen because we are uh, such big targets for the enemy once we're saved you have a you have a bullseye on your back, on your chest, on your forehead, on your everywhere that says kick me, hit me, punch me. Except for angels that are come to minister. They fight off demon spirits that if they had their way, they just go ahead and kill you full force. You got me? And so I always tell people, I say if the devil could have killed you, he'd have done it by now. Trust me. But he can't do it. You, your time is in God's hands. Amen. You have an appointed time. You have an appointed uh, um, assignment here on earth to carry out for God. You want to live long, keep doing stuff for God. Just get up in the morning and say, God, what you want me to do today? And that day when you wake up in heaven, you say, oh, I guess I'm done. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? What you want me to do today? But always be reaching for more, you know, and and when you get around people, look for opportunities to share Christ with them. Amen. People always need God. You look at this wicked world out here. You think people don't need the Lord? They do. But laborers are scarce. Amen. So make yourself a laborer and, and mean it. You know, just remind God on a regular God, remember, I asked you to put people in my path that need to know you. I asked you to help me to to show who you are, amen, to people, that kind of thing. So uh, he, he, uh, the Lord is, it looks like the Lord visited Abraham in the company of two angels, amen. 
Why had they come? For two reasons. The first one was to reassure Sarah that she would become the mother of the long-promised son of Abraham. We infer the second reason from Genesis 18, 17 through 18. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, if you notice, every time an angel shows up and speaks to Abraham, or every time God speaks to him, he reassures him of the same promise. God will never change his mind once he has promised you something. He will never change his mind. And so it, it's for people who are always looking for something new from God. And you, he keeps telling you the same thing. It's because you see how long it took Abraham to get a hold of that. 20 years. And the more years went by, the less capable he was of producing the promise in the natural For those of you who are still got ideas of how you're going to help God. With, huh? The sooner you forget about it. I'm telling you, sometimes that's why it takes so long, folks. The day you say hands off, that's when things start to roll. Amen? And I mean hands off and mean it. So sometimes God has to put you in position where it's hands off. just true when he says he's gonna do something he's gonna do it now if you could have done it it'd be done already it'd be messed up toe up broke down and ugly but you had your stuff and he wants to reveal himself to you in the fulfillment of the promise God's God's biggest plan for us is that we be partakers of the divine nature. Forget your stuff. Forget your bills. Forget your want tos. Forget your this and your that. He says that that that, that we are giving given great and precious promises that by them we would be partakers of the divine nature. So what that means is that your little stuff you think is so important. That's just a hook. Huh? Because you're the prize. You ain't after it. Well, I just want to. Uh, God promised us. Uh, and I just want to. Uh, you just on the hook. That's all. But I guarantee you, by the time that thing come walking in your door, sitting in your garage, and getting in your bank account, you will be much more like Christ than you are now. You ain't going to have no wants, no fears, no needs. It's going to be all good. Amen? That's what God wants. He got a hook in everybody's jaw in here. And until you, the hook will stay in there. 
Because when you get that, it'll be another something you need. And the hook goes back in again. Another something, the hook goes back in. God ain't stupid. If he gave us a little, you know, we all just a little heathen at heart. You know, now we get it together when we're around the saints. and Holy, hallelujah, holla back. Huh? Hey. We can't even keep hallelujah cool for, for long. You know what I'm saying? We just an inch, inch deep sometimes. so that's how we partake of the divine nature through things that we don't have yet (gasps) oh please don't say that please 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 Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. because I guarantee you your tantrums will stop your hissy fits will stop your cravings will stop. That if I don't get it, I'm just gonna go crazy. We'll stop. If I don't get this afternoon, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quit. I'm just gonna quit. And do what? Huh? You know you scared to go back out into the world because the devil will tear your head up, huh? <laughs> So most people, when they have that quit in them, they start getting religious. Because they think they're hiding from the devil when they, you know, keep kind of like kind of quote the word a little bit. Want to, say, oh yeah, oh, I, you know, I, give me a prayer partner. I, I, I ain't coming to church no more, but I still want a prayer partner. Huh? Because they're scared to go really out there. Huh? <laughs> Want to hang on to something. There's nothing but religion. You're just going through the motions with no power. Whatever. Come on now, grow up. Wise up, everybody. Come on. Just get real. You can only be so saved in disobedience. Hanging on to the crumbs. I always say, you know, if we really knew what God had for us, we'd stop the foolishness. Because to me, a person that that has a table set for them and backslides, they're not, they don't want to sit at father's table. They got identity problem. They'd rather go on the floor and eat the crumbs. See, when you try to disconnect yourself from the body of Christ, you don't know who you are. Because God has set a table for you to sit at, but you'd rather be like the the Syrophoenician woman where I know we get the crumbs off the table. See, she had a right to demand crumbs because she didn't have a covenant with God. You got a covenant with God. You were supposed to be sitting at the table eating. The best of the best all the time. Amen. Don't ever let the devil push you out and relegate you to not having your place at the Father's table. He's got something prepared for all of us. You eat what he prepares for you. Sit up and just grab crumbs all the time. 
and and talk to him go up to him and and meet him in his word meet him in these places and understand who you really are amen it's like job you know he laid on that bed so long he forgot he was human he just thought he was a piece of nothing and god said would you get up out that bed and talk to me i ain't talking to you laying down and I ain't talking to you in the nasty rags. You get up and get some clothes, a wash, take a bath. Huh? Them words we used to hate when we were kids, huh? Take a bath. Huh? Clean yourself up. Act like you somebody. Huh? And then once you take that step of faith, then God will impart the rest to you. And he wants to do that for us. So it's, it's, it's like that, but God still uses angels to help us because we need help. Number one, we don't have any idea of what goes on in the realm of the spirit other than what God reveals to us. And God will reveal to you what you need to know, but he doesn't want you spending 24 7 looking for for visions dreams revelations for what see if you let him be in charge of that you'll you'll have things revealed to you when they need to be revealed and how they need to be revealed amen Uh, i can remember the discerning of spirits gift would work a lot in me when i was a newer christian because I was trying to figure out things and find out things. And God would, would sometimes, it, he would put like cartoon faces on people and, and show me who they really were. Because I was young enough in the Lord, I couldn't tell by the inner witness and, and a real discerning in, in my inward man uh, what was going on. But he used it for a season after a season. It's not so prominent and prevalent anymore. And once you start to grow into a flowing witness in God and walking in the spirit consistently with him, some of these things will lift because they're not as necessary. You understand what I'm saying? He brings you what you, so don't be demanding God give you this or demanding he demand, demand, demand. Like, you know, it's, it's your business how he talks to you. Just make your request known to God. Uh, you're not important because you see things in the spirit. You know, you, you're not, you know what I'm saying? It's an information thing. And uh, sometimes if you would develop more of an inner witness and leading of God and not shut it down, you know, with carnality and your own feelings and your own thoughts and your own whatever, whatever, uh, you could flow a lot more accurately that's the way I want to accurately in the things of God, because it's nice to walk in the spirit with God so that you're understanding things on his level. You understand it the way he understands it and you get good information that way. You don't need so much natural information or people to to show you things or tell you things amen and so it's just good to know that when you have angelic help it's because we don't have full revelation of what's going on in the realm of the spirit there's a lot of activity in the spirit i know that much because many times you can tell 
by your own uh, spiritual awareness how things change and how things, um, I don't want to use that word shift. Everybody uses shift. We got a shifting in here. Oh, boy. So, you know, like it's an earthquake or something, but, but, um, things do change. Uh, I'll give you an example. When, uh, I, I can watch, uh, watch and, and understand when, uh, uh, a happening, I put it that way, of God has occurred that makes a difference. And I remember, uh, when the, uh, those girls that had been kidnapped for 10 years were kept in that house in Cleveland. And I began to observe how people responded at the news. And that wasn't just somebody came home that had been missing. That was a change of authority in the realm of the spirit. Amen. In that area. How do I know that? Because so many people had the same response to it. It affected a whole neighborhood where people came out and had parades down the street. People came out and police escort and all this kind of stuff. You know, it was picked up by different groups of individuals, not just family. Now, family always rejoices when a loved one's returned. But I'm talking about a whole neighborhood changing and a whole city changing, being encouraged and hopeful. Then the overflow that came when the Cavs had their championship games, probably never be repeated. I hate to say that about them, but it was an atmosphere, amen, that allowed faith for accomplishment and overcoming to come into the hearts of people. You got me? And so... See, I watch things like that. That's my job. Amen. To, to understand things related to the spirit so that you can see how what you do here on a weekly basis can really change a city and atmosphere, the hearts of people, all of that. And so when we talk about the, the, uh, spirit realm, know that angels and see what I believe is that uh the demonic power that held that neighborhood hostage in fear you know, kids not with people being scared to let their kids get off a school bus cuz that the last place they were saw was getting on a bus all that and and the people afraid to enjoy their property and know who their neighbors are all that kind of stuff that keeps people separated and divided out lifted and so when they lift, when those demonic spirits let go of that area, guess who takes their place? The angels of the Lord do. And so now you live in a protected area. You live in an area where there's hope and encouragement because people understand there's a, a difference in their attitude. There's a difference in their uh, expectation. There's a different, there's a freedom in them. To rejoice and enjoy life now that was not there before. And it, it came upon a whole neighborhood of people and then a whole city of people. You got me? And so these things happen because angels are there warring against these forces continually because of our words and because of our prayers. 
And when that thing breaks and there's a breakthrough because of relentless pressure on the enemy to let go of what he's holding, amen, then when that break comes, then it's evident to people who watch these things by the Spirit, amen. Just sometimes when things happen, just ask God, God, show me, show me what's going on here, show me the behind the scenes, amen? And he'll enlighten you. He'll help you to know these things because they are important to know. This is your job. You may think you got a job somewhere in the natural, but this is your main job, amen? That You just show up every day so they can pay you because you need money to live, but that's that ain't really why you're here. You know, once people understand that, they get, I mean, if you're smart, you'll get free out of it. You understand me? There's a freedom and a liberation there, and you won't struggle so much. You know, people sometimes struggle over um, career, finances, uh, prosperity. It should be no struggle. You should feel good about expecting good things to come into your paycheck because you work for God. God, I'm over here doing what I'm supposed to do, so bless me. Huh? Bless me. Bless me. <laughs> expect it. You know, expect it. Because God wants, He wants us to live the God life and mature into the image of His Son more and more and more every day. More like him, more like him. Which means that you're more divorced from the values of the world. And you're more plugged in to the values of God. Like a soul, a soul who works right alongside of you should be more important to you than your paycheck. See, but seldom that's true. You understand that, but that's seldom true. You know, you understand what I'm saying? See, most people, uh, 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 God's gonna make me a millionaire, you know. I'm so sorry we did all that. I didn't do it, but you know what I'm saying. The body of Christ fell into that. We stayed too long at the at the uh, shot bar, just knocking them back. You know, got so many tapes on prosperity, and everybody's still broke. And don't tell me they ain't, because they didn't quit coming to church. I left all them preachers that had them great big churches, half of them, half the seats are emptied. Some of them never filled up. Wonder why. See, it's the preaching of Christ that brings the power of God. Amen. Always. Billy Graham never had an empty stadium. I don't think he just preached Christ because he was an evangelist, because they're supposed to. There are a lot of evangelists out there preaching other stuff. But he preached it because he knew that's what he was called to do and he stayed faithful. His sons inherited ministry. That seldom happens. All them sisters are a little flaky, but They're a little screwed up, you know what I'm saying. And it's their denomination has to bear some of the responsibility for that. Because if your denomination closes the door to women preaching, you've got daughters that are called to preach and love God, there's going to be some frustration there. 
So man has to take some responsibility for it because there's really no outlet for, for their gift, many of them. You know, they've had to fight and claw. And Franklin just <laughs> surfed on in. You know. So, anyway. So, anyhow. Um, so, it, it seems here, and on page 63 again, here was the Lord talking about, let me start at the, it's the first paragraph. We infer the second reason from Genesis eighteen seventeen. It says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? And this was talking about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, seeing that he will surely become a great and mighty nation. So here God calls those things that be not as though they are. In covenant with God, everything he tells you is for show. Okay, surely, verily, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling the truth. That's what those words mean. And so uh, when when uh, God says, surely he will become a great nation, he knows Abraham's going to obey him. He knows God, he's passed enough tests where God sees the path is clear now for him to obey. Amen. Uh, I, I, I like sometimes to puzzle my brain with different things, games and stuff. And, and so, um, you know, the free games on the internet, you go through a lot of, you kiss a lot of frogs before you get the prints of the game that, that you enjoy. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been playing Candy Crush for like too long. So then they show you statistics of, uh, you know, scores of other people. And I'm always looking on there to see who's a preacher. Right. And I said, uh, well, how dare they? Any decent man or woman of God wouldn't have time to play Candy Crush Saga, especially when they got more points. You know, if I'm behind them or something, it's like, well, what's a preacher doing having time to play these stupid games? You know, and I've been on there a couple hours already. But anyway, there's there's one of them that I play where you move little blocks of pipe around. Some of the pipe is straight, some got a crook in it, some's this, some that, yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's a little ball that's going through these pipes and you gotta move the right pipe in there at the right time and you know, make you nuts. If it, sometimes I said, No, God, I'm, I don't want to get nervous. I'm not playing that right now. So, you know, I put that away. But if I if I get curious to see if I can really do this and do it right, yeah, you know, I just go in there and do my thing. And so it moves along kind of slowly, this little white ball moves. But if you push all the, the pipes in the right way and it's got a clear path to where it's going, it'll accelerate, you see. And the little thing will go off and it says, pathway cleared, and it'll zip your little ball right through there. That won't happen too often, but I get a little, well, that's what God does with us. See, we're like this little ball going through, and, and your footsteps are ordered by God. And if he knows that you come far enough along where you can see it, and you've got faith for it, and you zoop, 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 it accelerates as you get closer to what God wants you to do. See? So he knows in advance where you're going. He wants desperately to get us there. He really does. But he can't cheat on this game. He got to put all your little pipe pieces the right way. And then it accelerates as your path is clear. Once he knows in your heart you got it, 
and you're willing to go all the distance with him, it's like zoom, almost right there. You know, we've all been there. We can almost feel it. We feel like it's coming real soon, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if you pay attention to what's going on on the inside of you. But God will do that for us. He wants to be sure. And so he starts to move us to the next level of revelation once he's sure we got it. They know what I'm trying to do, you know. They, they've they heard enough prophecy they've read enough of the word they got it they they're hooked into it and they know what i'm about to do and what i want to do with them and it's okay with them you know that kind of thing so he's able to say when he looks at at one of us you know he'll say i know for certain wanna i know you got it now you understand what i'm saying and and i'm gonna move you on to the next and accelerate you through because I know surely this this thing will come to pass in her because she got it. Okay? Once your faith, once you divorce yourself from natural faith and you marry supernatural faith, huh? Never to turn back again and get curious about well what what what'll happen if I do this and do when you stop your surmisings and plan your head games and all that kind of stuff. And you're dedicated to using God's faith for what you need. Uh, nothing will stop. Nothing will stop. It'll accelerate for you. Amen. So he says it seems evident that those angels participated in this pro- prophetic revelation to Abraham. Giving him advance information that the wicked city in which Lot his nephew lived would be destroyed. That gave opportunity to Abraham to intercede for Sodom, but in vain. The angels left the Lord, left the Lord and Abraham on the hilltop, then left them to go and rescue Lot and his family before God destroyed the city. Angels descending and ascending. God also spoke directly to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Jacob, as you recall, was fleeing from home because he feared the wrath of his brother Esau for stealing the blessing of their father. Finally exhausted, Jacob lay down to sleep, cradling his head on a rock, and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. It's hard to picture that dream in our own minds as God gave Jacob a special prophecy regarding the course of his life and what would happen to his descendants. Perhaps the angel stood by in solemn witness as God reminded Jacob of the Abrahamic covenant, which says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon you lie, to thee will I give it to you and to your seed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you in the places where you go and will bring you again to this land for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. Now, up until this time, Jacob was a thief. He was a hood and he had a really hard life. He worked for Laban his father, father-in-law, um, and Laban changed his wages. He said, you've changed my wages ten times, three times or ten times. I forgot the exact number. 
But Jacob, you know, there's a place in God sometimes where you have to confront who you are and he'll show you another person and you got to deal with them. See, he's he reveals our hearts to us through our interactions. Like sometimes you'll talk to somebody and you'll come away convicted and stunned. And that's because they just like you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I didn't know it was like that, God. Come on now. But that's what happened to Jacob. He learned how wicked his heart was through having to be dependent upon somebody who was just as wicked. And so that drove him to seek the Lord. That drove him those years working, seven years working for Rachel. And then he got the ugly sister and but a cross-eyed sister, whatever she was. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And and so he was tricked, and that was his game. He was always running game on his brother and on his parents. But see, he got out of daddy's house. See, daddy will let you play games. Amen. Now, good daddy will find a way to beat it out of you or preach it out of you or something. You know what I'm saying? But if they, you wouldn't, you can wear, you wear natural parents out, you know, and I'm telling you, parents nowadays get worn out so quick, it's pathetic. And, uh, but, but God, you can't wear out. See, after he left daddy's house, he forgot there was a God up there watching everything. So after you get out of daddy's house, then you gotta deal with God one on one. Amen. It's a good thing, parents. Don't be scared of God dealing with your kids. You know, don't be scared of turning them over. You know, sometimes it's just time. Amen. So, so for, for, uh, Jacob, it was time. It was time to put away your tricks, put away your game, because he probably tried to fool Laban, but Laban's probably one of them old men like, oh, get up on them. You coming in here in my house looking like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> The mean father-in-law. Huh? You better treat my girls right. What you doing with my grandkids? You, yeah. And he kept him out working so long, he didn't have time to, for no tricks on nobody. Jacob was what finally what we call converted. He got convinced that he had to depend on God. And he began to seek God. Amen. For about 14 years, you don't see much about him crying out to God. But God appeared to him and he wrestled all night with an angel of the Lord. Remember that one? And so he was able to get a promise from God. And this is the first time the inheritance that he stole gets legitimized. That's why that's so important. With the angels ascending and descending. There's no record that God honored that transaction between Jacob and Esau. See, what what Jacob was looking at was fooling his father. He thought the father had the blessing. Didn't dawn on him that blessing came from God. Maybe I need to straighten up and be a good boy so God can bless me with something. He stole that from his father because he only thought of, of his parents as the people he had to convince or please. So he knew how to slick mom and daddy. Huh? 
Just like kids do. They know how to get over on mom and daddy, but they forget there's a God out there after they leave your house that they got to face. Amen? And the question is, can you pass the test before God and be blessed? So Jacob finally got the blessing from the one who could confer it on him. His father could bless him and give him what they had in the natural. He can give them their property. He can give them their cattle. He can give them all that stuff. But he needed to make sure he could hold on to it. Because you don't know that unless you get your blessing directly from God. And God always has a greater blessing. All you looking at Jacob is this little stuff you got around here. You jealous of your brother because he's in line to inherit it. So all your life you jealous and sneaky and stealing and you just want to take something from your brother because you know you can fool him and take it from him. Got me? And so Jacob has some growing up to do, got some changing to do, and God is just the one to get him cornered where he needs to get him cornered so he can do what he wants to do. God wrestled with him. God sent an angel to wrestle with him all night. And Jacob was such a tough customer that Angel had to give him permanent damage to subdue him so that he could bless him. From that day forward, he walked with a cane. He took his, took his hip out of joint and he got up limping, but he was blessed. Huh? He had the inheritance. Amen. Sometimes it's going to cost you some flesh. It's going to cost you some stuff you ain't supposed to. You can't take over there with you. Huh? It's going to cost you some things to serve God. Some things we cannot take with us. Because they're not part of that inheritance. Some things we want really badly in the natural. You know, if you get them, you'd be crazy, toe up. Drunk, in a stupor somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? You know, cravings. He craved what he wanted. Too much. But the Bible says, Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I hate it. Why? Jacob, in all his carnality, at least saw the value of the inheritance. His brother didn't. He was reeling to sell it for a morsel of food. And so there's something about us when we value things that that gets God's favor in our lives. So it says in the many decades that he lived following that revelation, Jacob saw the fulfillment of the word of God, the word that God has spoken and to which the angels had been witness. And no doubt he reported the vision of God and the heavenly messengers to the sons God later gave him. Just slowed him down. You got me? It slowed him down. After Joshua's death, there was a time in the history of Israel when God used judges to guide his people. From time to time, angels, or specifically the angel of the Lord, they, he thinks perhaps a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ were involved. So really, when they say angel, they mean a heavenly body, Amen. a heavenly spirit. Somebody that's not of this world. The story of Manoah and his wife is a good example. One day, this godly woman was visited by an angel who said, Behold now, 
You are barren and, and have not had any children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Amen. So he, he comes to her knowing something about her. And so this is how angels entreat us to open us up to receive what they have. They have direct words from God or specific words from God that they must utter to us. And those words are fixed so that we can receive the message that they have for us. So she knew that was for her. It's like William Branham used to operate in the word of knowledge. And he would have somebody, he would just start seeing what they were doing. He says, somebody here, you just, uh, uh, you had for dinner, uh, 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 you know, a, a steak and two potatoes. And you said to your husband, I'm too full. I'm excited about the, uh, you come on up here because God wants to hear you. And boom, they, you know, that opened them up when they opened their faith up. Cause they knew it was for, how can you deny that was for you? If the man just told you everything you did and you were there to be healed. You got me? That kind of thing. And so that's what's happening here. They have to reveal enough to us to get our faith involved so that we'll receive the word of the Lord. And she said, you're going to bear a child. No razor shall come on his head. He shall be a Nazarite from his birth. And so he can't drink any wine. You can't drink any wine when you're pregnant. Uh, that's a good thing to do, they found out after all these centuries. Amen. Fetal alcohol syndrome, you know, and they have to tell mothers just stay off the booze when you're pregnant. Yes. And a lot of, most women will do that now. They're concerned about those kinds of things. And he says, <clears throat> he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, who, to whom was this, the angel of the Lord referring was referring to Samson, who became one of the most noted, <laughs> noted for sure, judges of Israel, whose name even in secular society denotes superhuman strength. Here we see the Lord encouraging his people by giving them hope that one would be, would come to free them from their bondage. So angels often bring messages of hope. That you see them active in the birth of Christ. You see them all over the Bible. These messages often bring news of transition. That's why people would gladly entertain angels. Uh, you see when Abraham, that angel came, three angels came to visit Abraham. He immediately got up and invited them in and prepared a friendship. He invited them into friendship with him. And so that was common for believers, uh, the Israelites, how they, how they treated people. Zechariah, who wrote the book called by his name, is known as one of the minor prophets. Minor in that the prophecies he gave were confined to a few short chapters compared to the books of Jeremiah or Isaiah. So we know that all words of God are important and valuable. So there's really no minor or major prophets. It's just how man has described them. How did Zechariah get his knowledge of what would come to pass? The word angel appears some 20 times in the 13 short chapters Zechariah wrote. Often the heavenly messenger is described in the phrase, the angel that talked with me. What a picturesque description. This man of God asking questions about God's program and receiving answers from the angel that talked with me. So they are allowed to converse with us. They don't just make announcements and move and leave. We saw when Mary talked to the angel and he answered her questions. 
It is easy to relegate all angelic activity with regard to prophecy to the ancient past, but what about today? You might ask, are angels still giving us revelations from God? Do they work with us? I believe they do, although I can't prove that. Let me give you a personal illustration that will help to explain it. He says, some 20 years ago, I was flying from the Holy Land to New York City aboard a Boeing 747. I was using the time to study my Bible and prepare studies such as these. A lady approached me and tapped me on the shoulder, introduced herself. She was a widow, perhaps 60 years of age. I was praying, she said, and the Lord told me to tell you something. Yes, I replied. The Lord told me that he would send his angels and would clear and release the American airways from demon power and possession in order that Christian television could go through and allow you to preach the gospel of Christ to millions of people in these last days. I thanked her and returned to my studies. About 30 minutes later, she came back. I was praying again, she said, and the Lord said, you didn't listen to me the first time. Inwardly, I had to admit that that had been the case. I had not listened with my full attention either of heart nor head. Now listen to me, she continued. The Lord wants me to impress upon you that angels are going to release and clear the American airways from demon power and possession. She reiterated her previous communication so so forth and so on. This time, her words got through to me. I thank you. I thank you very much, I replied, and I too will pray. I bowed my head and began to talk to the Lord about that very wonderful thing that had been communicated to me through prophecy. My soul rejoiced because I believed that that was the very thing that would come to pass. Just a few days later, I received word from the government that the license I had been seeking had been granted. The Lord brought to my mind the words I heard, I have freed the airways so you can use them. Amen. I find that tremendously exciting. Angels had something to do with that prophecy that came to me. So the angels were the ones that removed the demonic powers from their position of dominance over the airwaves. If they did it before, they'll do it again. Amen. We can, and, and under God's direction, because sometimes we bang our heads against a wall and get nowhere, but with his leading, and that's always the important thing. God knows the timing of everything. He knows the areas he wants to work in. And so he, he, he knows the timing of all things that are coming into the earth. And so angels will de- displace demon forces in their positions of influence and dominance over cities and regions and countries, all of that. It's angel power that removes these demons from their uh, positions so that the voice of God can come through and the things of God can come through. And I believe we're going to be more aware of these changes as the time of the end draws near. Uh, because God wants to use us. He wants to use everybody uh, in this last move of God. And that's why uh, we focus so much on prayer, because prayer is such an integral part of it. Prayer, prophesying, having a right confession over these things, all of that is essential. I give them to Rachel. She can hop up, pass them out. All of those things are essential. Um I'm, I'll probably share at some point, I want to share with you uh, the Tommy Hicks vision and prophecy from the 1960s. 
and some of the revelation that has come out of that. But it appears that uh, the areas of Ohio, um, I think Kentucky, certain areas are going to be central in the coming move of God, the end time move of God. Uh, there have been some, uh, Tommy Hicks saw the uh, church uh, as a big giant. The, you've seen, everybody's seen Gulliver's Travels or read the book. And so we know he was on an island with some small people. The Lilliputians had him tied down. And so as he began to wake up, he was so big, they tied him down. And so he had washed up on the beach. He was a giant. And so that's the way he sees the church or the body of Christ. And uh, the little things underneath the church are demon spirits that we have entertained and that we have obeyed. And God sees them as the giant wakes up. These things run out and run back, run out and run back. And then at the end, he stands upright and they all flee. And so that is a picture of the glory of God falling on the end time church and dwelling on us. Not coming and going, coming and going. Because that's what we've had all this time. The visitation and we go back in our carnality. Visitation, we go back into carnality. But this time it's going to happen for real. Now, these people who set this diagram, I think, was it Bill Jones? Bob Jones. He He's passed on now. But he, he had this vision and the uh, the giant's head was in Cleveland, Ohio. The heart was in Columbus, Ohio. The internal organs were in Cincinnati and the legs and arms were over in Indiana. And so it looks like it will be a place here because of prayer, folks. Will be a place here. So you don't want to get crazy now. You don't want to find something better to do as William, uh, always like when he says that. He said, most of them had something, they thought they had something better to do than wait on God. And so we got to have nothing better to do, folks. It's got to be our delight to wait and see what God has for us in that realm. Amen. Praise God. All right. So I'll let you finish your, your quiz. It's an open book test.